We're going to jump right in. It is good to be together. Hey, before we get started, I uh, just want to say this. Uh, how many of you know that Father's Day is coming up? It's important. I get it, mothers. You didn't have the same experience. I'm sure you'll get over it. No, I'm just kidding. We love you moms. But I want to highlight something for you. There is a fundraiser that's going to be on premises this week, the 20th. Uh, Teen Challenge is doing a Holy Smokes barbecue. Dave Benyak's in the house. This Saturday, from what to what? Uh-oh. <laughs> I caught you, bro. It's on the flyer. All right. <laughs> this Saturday, you can come on premises. You can get a chicken barbecue. You can bless your dad. You can bless your wife. You can celebrate Mother's Day before you have to celebrate Father's Day. Do what you got to do. Sound good? All right. How many of you are excited to be here in the house this morning worshiping live? Hey, if you're joining us uh, from out of the house, we are like you're in your house, not in this house. We're just so glad that you're with us. We are glad that you joined us. Listen, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you can't be with us this morning, we are excited that you're joining us. We are going to do this for the foreseeable future. You can join us every week at 10 a.m. Uh, to worship digitally, but I'm excited to be in the house with some people. Do, 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 do you know how weird it is to preach to a camera and not, not hear anything in response? Like you're pouring your heart out. You know that God has told you to say something and you're just going at the camera and going at the camera and you got like nothing. It's like being in an audience that doesn't get it. I'm so glad to have you in the house this morning. Can you say amen when something hits your heart? It is so much easier and so much more enjoyable to preach to faces instead of lenses and so I'm glad that you're here this morning. How many of you ever woke up with a song on your heart? I know, I know somebody in this congregation, I won't mention who, who literally wakes up every day with a different song, literally coming out of the lips, and it's stuck. And it could be a worship song, it could be a song from their childhood, it could be a commercial. But they just wake up every day with a song in their head. Have you ever, have you ever just broken out into song? Like maybe you've had a meal, you know I had to work the food in, right? Maybe you've had a meal that's put in front of you, and you taste that first bite, and the hallelujah chorus just pops off in your head. Or maybe, maybe you see your husband or your wife and you get a little Marvin Gaye going, right? You know what I'm saying? Let's get it on. That's all right. God thought of that. I'm not saying the song is great, but I'm saying, you know, husbands and wives, getting it on is a good thing, right? Can I hear, can I hear a amen from everybody who was part of our marriage conference this weekend? We did, thank you to everybody who put that together. We did a digital marriage conference uh, three nights People are investing in their marriages, not because we worship marriage, but because we worship God, and in God's eyes, marriage is a good thing, and so we're so grateful that you joined us. Uh, hopefully, that's our first and only ever digital marriage conference. I want to do that live and in person, right? Again, and we will, Lord willing, in February, so make sure you mark your calendars and get ready for that. It is going to be a great time, but again, there, sometimes we just break into song, right? My dad is famous for this. Absolutely famous for this. In fact, he has so many songs that just pop off in his head. And I'm not talking songs that other people wrote. I'm talking songs that he's writing in his head. How many of you ever heard him just sing, start singing a song? Like a little ditty. It's usually to another tune. Am I really the only one? This, this man has so many songs, he needs to write a Christian rock opera. Like you would want to see it. In fact, literally, and I'm not kidding, I wrote, I wrote the introduction to this sermon maybe a month ago because I knew that we were going to get ready to be together and this is what I wanted to, to share with you as we were doing that. As I was writing the introduction, I'm like, God, how am I going to open this sermon? My dad texts me lyrics to a song. 
I'm writing the introduction to the sermon, and he texts me lyrics to a song to encourage the church, and it's written to the tune of Yankee Doodle Dandy, and I said, Dad, can you sing it for us? I want to play it for you. You guys want to hear it? Too bad I lost it. I couldn't find it. I don't know where it is. Isn't that a letdown? You're like, hey, Pastor Josh, you were building this up, and you just let us down. I don't remember the words. It's his song, man. It's his song. Maybe we'll have him come sing it live for you sometime. But these songs just, just explode in his head. And you know what? I, I'm, my, I'm my father's son. I'm often singing something in my head. And often those things come out of my mouth. Although, out of my mouth, not mouth, z- mouth. And I love, to, I love to sing to embarrass my daughters. One of my favorite things ever was, was riding the magic carpet ride at, at Disney World. And asking my daughter, like Aladdin, do you trust me? And she was like, yes, Dad. And so I started into, I can show you the world. But it wasn't that soft. It was pretty loud, right? And then she decided she didn't want to trust me anymore and told me, Dad, stop, please. But I love to do that. In fact, this last week I was in the pool with my kids and my nieces and nephews and uh, my, one of my nieces just got, she's been waiting, telling us about it for, for weeks now, it came in the mail, her very own mermaid tail bathing suit bottom. And I, like the full thing, like, like it was all the way down and she spent the entire day walking around like this and swimming with it on. She was so excited. And one of our favorite things to do in the pool, what she always asks me is when I'm in the pool, she's like, hey, would you, would you spin me around and would you throw me up in the air? Well, I thought this is a perfect time to do that, but also add in my love for singing and my knowledge of Disney princess songs. And so I just decided to sing, look at my stuff, isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Meanwhile, I was, you know, swirling around. Wouldn't you think I'm the girl who has everything? Well, we were having a good time, and then I realized in one of my turns that my sister-in-law was videotaping me. <laughs> so there might be a video out there of me singing a Disney princess song with my niece in a mermaid costume. It might get, hit the internet at some point. But what I'm saying is this. We have songs that burst into our heads. Songs are appropriate. Why is music so powerful? Music's so powerful because it brings us to a moment. Right Over this last weekend, as we had the, the marriage conference, we were playing songs, romantic songs and fun songs about love, and people were recognizing these moments in their lives when those songs mattered to them. People heard the songs that they walked up and down the aisle to, or the, the first dance that they had, or a song that was playing on their first date. These songs bring us to a moment, that, and they're so powerful because they express what's going on in our hearts, right? It connects us with the emotion and the reality of, of the moment that we're in. I want to talk about the power of song this morning, specifically when it comes to the worship of God. David highlighted this pattern for us, this connection with what God's doing and singing in a psalm that he wrote, a song that he wrote about song and about singing. And here's what Psalms 40 verse 3 says this. He says, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and many will put their trust in the Lord. He's saying, listen, when we sing, it matters, not only to us as we sing the song that God has placed in our heart, but when we sing the song that he's placed in our heart, it matters to the people around us. When we sing the song, the kingdom of God bursts forth in us, but when we sing the song, we invite other people into what the kingdom of God is doing in us. In fact, when we sing about what God is done and what he is doing, we become more aware of who he is. 
and who we are. When we sing about what God has done and what he is doing, we invite others into the midst of what God is doing. Right? I mean, have you ever heard a song that just like puts you in the mood? That was an invitation to come into what someone else is experiencing. That's what we do when we sing and when we worship the Lord. When we sing about what God has done and is doing, we actually literally prophesy what God is going to do. Now, some of you say, hey, when I sing a song, God has to perform for me. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is when we sing about who God is and what he is doing and what he has done. We're talking about his nature. We're talking about the purposes that he has in the earth. We are talking about what God, like the nature of God, and we are, when we're singing that, we're saying, listen, he's done it in the past, he does not change, he's going to do it in the future. And he is faithful to perform his word. When we sing his promises, we're just coming into agreement what he's already prophesied he's gonna do. When we sing about his nature and his goodness and his love, we're saying, yes, God, we agree with you that who you say you are and who you have been, you will be in my life and in my circumstances and in the life and circumstances of those around us. We prophesy into the future. And we, when we sing about what God has done and what he is doing, we invite others into the possibility that God could do that in them and through them as well. Becomes an encouragement. Join me. Come with me as I experience the goodness of God. Today we're going to talk about an outbreak of worship. How many of you know that we've been going through a series called Outbreak? There's an outbreak of worship in the house this morning. And we're going to talk about that. We're going, to, we're going to look at some scripture this morning to give us context of what an outbreak of worship looks like. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in this scripture, we're going to see what an outbreak of worship looks like. We're going to see a progression of that outbreak and of that worship. But understand this, that the outbreak of worship came in the response in response to an outbreak of attack. Why? Because one of the weapons that we have is worship. And the enemy knows that he's, he needs to come and attack our place of strength. The enemy doesn't want us talking about how great God is. He doesn't want us singing about it. He doesn't want us... Re, that being revealed to our hearts. He doesn't want us inviting other people into that. He doesn't want us to prophesy into the future about what God is and will do, and so he's gonna attack us. He's gonna pull us away from our purposes. And that's exactly what happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's an outbreak of attack. Verses one through three describe it, and here's what it says. After this, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Menuhites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazan Tamar. That was another name for En Gedi. Just a little bit of context. The people of Edom that are coming against them, these are people that God did not allow the people of Israel to attack as they were moving into the land. They said, leave them alone. They're actually your family. They're, they're, they're related to you through Esau. Leave them alone. And so these people that are coming to attack, they're already at En Gedi. And if you don't know this, En Gedi was the place where David hid out. It was a place of safety and a place of refuge for David. And the people who are attacking are already in that place of refuge, and they're on their way to 
Judah. They're going to bring destruction. And it wasn't just some like out there enemy. It wasn't just some existential crisis. It was a real deal crisis. And the scripture tells us that Jehoshaphat, when he heard the messengers, what? Was terrified, verse 3 says. He was terrified. And then it says this, and he begged the Lord for guidance. What does that mean? It means Jehoshaphat had no idea what to do. How many of you know when you get punched in the face, sometimes you get a little bit disillusioned, right? Or have you ever, have you ever encountered somebody like you're, you're just going along your day and all of a sudden somebody who's having a bad day kind of rips you, rips you up and down and you're just like, whoa, where'd that come from? You don't even know how to respond, right? Because you're not looking for an attack. You're not ready for this. You're like, I don't even know how to respond to this right now. That Jehoshaphat was in the same place. He had no idea what to do, and yet he knew exactly what to do. Because when that attack came, when the message came that the enemy was on its way, he did exactly what he should do. He did exactly what he knew to do. He went to the Lord. He said, God, you tell me what to do. He didn't know what to do, but he knew exactly what to do. Here's the main idea of what we're talking about this morning. Worship is the response in every situation of our life. And worship is the response, especially in a time of the outbreak of the enemy, of the outbreak of attack. I can't think of a more appropriate response right now in our world. Because the enemy is looking to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's trying to attack Christians with this. He's coming in the midst of everything. And I'm not talking about some conspiracy theory. I'm talking about trying to rip the life of God out of us, get us depressed and isolated and alone and not trusting in the Lord. And the way that he does that is he gets us to trust in something else. He's trying to divide the church into different camps. Everything that's happening in this world is trying to drive us away from, and, and it's political spirits, and it's religious spirits, and it's racist spirits. Let me say this very clearly. There's no room for racism in the kingdom of God, but we cannot respond into different camps. We need to respond with Jesus Christ, and the way that that happens is as the people of God worship the Lord. Why? Because the first act of, hum- of, of worship that we're going to talk about this morning is the worship of humility. What we need right now as the people of God is the worship of humility. Look at the response of Jehoshaphat and the people of God to the attack of the enemy. Second Chronicles 23 and 4 said, Jehoshaphat was terrified this news. He begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Why? Because when we fast, we deny the flesh, we deny what the enemy is saying, and we start to tune our hearts into what the Lord is saying. It's a worship of humility. God, I don't know what to do, but you do. So I'm going to deny myself so I can hear you. I'm going to shut off other voices. I'm going to shut off the voice of my flesh that screams loudly to me all the time, eat so you can feel okay. And I'm going to let that drive me to my knees before you. So that the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Later in the scripture, in the same chapter, in verse 18, it says this, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. The first act of worship, the first in the progression, is the worship of humility, because humility is the beginning of worship. What do I mean by that? See, worship in its purest essence is beholding the Lord, seeing him for who he is and responding to that acting out of what we see, the reality of who he is. But if we are coming to him in pride, we are not able to worship him. 
If you and I come to him in pride and we worship him, we're actually worshiping an idol and that's ourselves. Because when we stand before a holy God, when we bow before a holy God, when we see him for who he is, we, like Isaiah, respond with, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, I'm not saying that we forget who we are in Christ because he's made us righteous and we can come boldly to the, into the throne room to ask him for grace, but we have to realize that he is God and we are not. And it starts from a place of humility, a place of bowing before him, a place of saying, God, I need you. I don't need your stuff, I need you. The cry of my heart over the last few weeks with everything raging around in, in, in the world and in our country and our region and in my heart and even in relationships, my cry has been, God, I just want to see you. I just want to hear you. If I don't hear you, if I don't see you, then I've missed it. And if we're going to worship the Lord, it's got to start with the humility to know that we need him. He is God and we are not. We are in the position we are in because he has placed us there. He alone is God. The second in the progression of worship is this, is the worship of praise. So the people of God, they come and they, 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 they bow before the Lord. They humble themselves before the Lord. They say things like, you're powerful and mighty, and you drove these people out of their land, and, and you called us into this place, and we're here to worship you, and we trust you, and you see what these people are doing, and they're trying to pull us away from your kingdom. They're trying to pull us away from the place that you've called us. They're trying to pull us away from our purpose in you and our inheritance. Understand this. Verse 11 says this. They have come to throw us out of the land which you gave us as an inheritance. The enemy's attack is to pull you from your inheritance. And so they say, God, would you help us? And they stand before the Lord and they worship. And God speaks to them. God speaks to them. He says in verse 15, listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You'll find them coming through the ascent of Ziz, Ziz, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And that's when they bow low to the ground. And then it says this, verse 19. The Levites from the clan of Korath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. See, when we come before him and we behold him and we pour out our hearts to him in humility, he speaks to us and he declares his purpose and his will. And in that moment, we are called to the worship of praise. A very loud shout, a de- declaration of who God is and what he has, a response to what he has said to the word of the Lord in our lives. Can I get a shout of praise? Oh, wait a minute, hold on. We got to talk about this for a minute. We got some of you are there, but we got to talk about this for a minute. Well, pastor, you know what? That's not my personality. I'm more I, I'm more of a a gentle worshipper of the Lord. I like the the slow songs, and you know we'll leave the shouting for you and people who like the camera and the stage. And maybe that's your take, or maybe you're just stubborn and you're a dude, and you're like, I don't do that. Do you do, do you do it for a sports team? Well, I don't, I don't do professional sports. Do you do it for your kids' sports? 
I've seen guys lose their stuff over, over third grade basketball. <laughs> I've seen moms lose their stuff over kindergarten soccer. Listen, here's the truth. Purpose trumps personality. Purpose trumps personality. We are called to the worship of praise. A very loud shout. Now can I hear a shout of praise unto God in the house this morning? The third response is this. It's the worship of faith. The worship of faith. We already read this, but I'll read it again. But you will not even need to fight, the Lord said. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. It's a response to what the Lord says. The Lord says, don't go out and fight. He says, go out and take your positions. The Lord says, you're not going to need to fight. Just stand in your place. Stand in your inheritance. Do what I've called you to do. And the people of God did it because what? Faith is not just believing. Faith is action. In Chronicles 20, 20, it says this. Early the next morning, they put this into practice. The army of Judah went out into the wilderness. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Verse 21, and after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, I don't think they, I don't think they're going, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. I think they were living out of that praise and they were shouting unto God. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. We can walk in faith. We can stand in that place of victory and watch the Lord because of his faithful love. It's saying this is who God is. And by faith, we're going to worship him for who he is. Worship him for his faithful and his enduring love. And what does verse 22 say? Verse 22 says this. At the very moment they acted in faith, at the very moment that they worshiped in faith, at the moment they began to sing and give praise, The Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. See, the enemy wants to bring confusion to us. When we come together and we sing and we worship, and I'm not just talking about corporate, when we do it in our personal lives, because the same is true. When we start to sing and declare the praise of God, when we worship him and give him praise, the enemy gets confused. I think the enemy's coming in with a coordinated attack. They planned it out. They're coming to bring destruction to us, and the people of God stand up and take our positions, and we praise the Lord, and what happens is the confusion that the enemy wanted to bring is thrown back on himself, and I think literally demons start fighting each other. I think that, whoa, they get confused, like, what's your problem, and why are you, they can't, they can't get it together, because the people of God respond in faith and worshiping the Lord. As the worship team comes, we're gonna talk about the fourth worship this morning, the fourth in the progression. I hope the worship team's coming. Because otherwise, you got me and you, and we're just gonna have to blow it up ourselves. What were the results? They started fighting each other. I love this description. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after that, they destroyed the army of Seir. They began attacking each other. And so when the people of God and his men uh, get to that place, when they come to that place, 
of lookout in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies. They don't even have to fight. They just come to stand. Like, they're like, oh, when we get there, we'll watch God do something. When they got there, they saw what God had already done. When we worship, God goes before us and accomplishes it. They just walk up and go, yo, do you see what I see? In fact, there was so much plunder, four days it took them to collect it. How many of you like four-day projects around your house? Like, you feel like you conquered the world when you did a four-day project. It took them four days to gather up all the, all the, all the gear. I love this word, to gather all the booty. And they came to the fourth celebration, which is the, the celebration, the worship of celebration. Verse 26, on the fourth day they gathered in the valley of blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there, and it's still called the valley of blessing today. Listen to this. When you have an attack of the enemy in your life, he wants to bring destruction. He wants you to have valleys of curse, valleys of the shadow of death. He wants there to be places that you're afraid to go. Maybe it's a house that you used to live in. You're afraid to drive by. You're afraid to go there either physically or even in your memory because of the place of destruction that it was. The enemy caused that. That wasn't the Lord. Maybe there was a place that you got into a fight with somebody or a restaurant or a place of heartbreak or a place of destruction in your life. Maybe it's not a physical place but an emotional place. And the enemy wants that to be a place that you can't touch. Listen, the the Lord God that I serve takes the places that the enemy has called destruction in the valley of shadow of death, and by his presence and his power, and in worship we see he transforms those into the valley of blessing. He is transforming those places of brokenness right now in your life into the place of blessing so that you can stand and say, what the enemy caused for destruction, God has caused for blessing in my life. He has redeemed that place. He has healed me in that place. I can talk about that place. I can go there and declare that God has done a healing because it is now a place of blessing in my life because of what the Lord has done. Some of us need to go back to those valleys to see what's left there because God's done the victory. It was a place of destruction, but now that you are in Christ because you have taken your place, you can go back there, you can take your position, and you can look, and you can see how God has redeemed it. Some of you need to give yourself permission to go back to that valley this morning. And the way that you're going to do that is the, is the, the, the worship of celebration. Second Chronicles 20, 27 says, All the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They whipped out the instruments and they praised the Lord, their God, all the way home. And what was the result? What was the result? Look at Second uh, Chronicles twenty twenty nine. All the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord Himself had fought against the armies of Israel. The fear of God came over them. Full circle. It's what David talked about in his psalm. Many will see, and many will be amazed, and many will put their trust in the Lord. See, when we worship in and through and after the victory that the Lord has given us, we declare to those around us in a way that they can enter in to the goodness of God. So I want to ask you this morning, are you in a battle? Maybe you're in a battle. What's the response? Worship. Are you about to go into a battle? Do you anticipate that one is coming? What's the response? Get on your face and worship the Lord.
Have you seen a victory in your life lately? What's the response? Stand up and worship the Lord your God. Declare his victory in this place. Let's worship him before and in and through and after the battle because the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord our God this morning. Let's lift him up. Come on. Let's lift him up. Lift your voices. Lift your voices to him. God, we declare in this place. Put your hand up if you've been delivered of something. Amen. God is the God of deliverance. I just want to ask you this as we close. Do you believe that God can deliver you? Do you believe that God can redeem and restore any area of your life? Because He can. It takes humility. A river flows to the lowest place. But if you're willing to be humble and authentic before your God, His presence will come like a river. His presence will come like the rain. His presence will come like fire. And He will meet with you. Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's not about striving. It's not about earning anything. It's about coming to God in all our brokenness, all our mess, and just worshiping Him. So if you need deliverance today, today is your day. Today can be your moment. Can we give the Lord one more shout for His presence? Thank you, Pastor Josh, for the word this morning. Just a couple announcements as we leave. Uh, first of all, if you need prayer today, uh, you can head into the lobby. Everyone is